0: So our epistle this morning is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 24, if you're following along in your Bible. Beginning at verse 16, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. See, Paul here in the scripture is reminding us that this Advent season, we need to be cheerful no matter what. We need to pray all the time. We need to thank God no matter what happens. I don't know about you, but that's been difficult this season. Being cheerful. Praying all the time. And thanking God no matter what happens. See, this is the way Paul tells us that God wants you, those of you who belong to Christ Jesus, this is the way God wants you to live. And in order to rejoice always, we have to pray without ceasing. See, the two go together hand in hand. In order to be joyful in all circumstances, no matter what happens, in order to be thankful, we have to pray without ceasing. It's a conditional statement. In order to have joy always, we must be always praying. See, if I look at the original Greek, that the translation of that pray always is pray without intermission. We know what an intermission is, right? We have a really long movie. We're watching Gone with the Wind in the theater. And it's so long that the, the creators of that movie decided, you know what, they need a break before they go into part two of this. And so there's a span of no activity. There's a span where you don't have to pay attention. Well, God's telling us here that we need to pray with no intermission. Without allowing prayerless gaps to intervene between times of prayer. See, the idea here is that joy requires constant and continuous communion and communication with God. If we allow ourselves to become disconnected, then we allow separation from God, the one true source of joy. No God, no joy. What's more, the state of rejoicing always, regardless of the circumstances and of being in constant prayer is not merely a recommendation. God's not suggesting here in this passage that we rejoice always and pray continuously. And be thankful in all circumstances. It's not a recommendation. This is a command. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus for how you are to live by doing these three things. If you want to make a note on your bulletin, the three things are rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. So Paul goes on. He says, And this is still, we're still in command mode here. These are not suggestions. Paul says, don't suppress the Spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. In other words, don't don't put out the Holy Spirit fire. Don't throw cold water on those who under extraordinary inspiration of the Spirit stand up to speak. Maybe they're speaking in tongues. Maybe they're revealing mysteries. Maybe they're praying in intercessory prayer for the congregation. Don't push that aside. Don't ignore it. Don't don't disregard that. When those things happen, pay attention. This is an opportunity. This is a means of grace to connect with God. And Paul continues, he says, on the other hand, when these things happen, don't be gullible either. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out anything that's tainted with evil. Paul warns us not to just blindly accept everything that we see and hear. When you turn on the news, take it with a large boulder of salt. Examine everything that's being said against other reliable sources. When you hear someone preach the gospel, or just preach, maybe it's not the gospel, how do you know that? Well, you have to do your research, you have to pay attention to what's being said and compare it to the gospel. Don't blindly accept everything we see and hear. Even from church people. Even from others professing to be Christian. Don't accept it without testing it against scripture. Then Paul gives us a a blessing and a promise. He says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole and complete, make you holy and whole and complete. May he put you together together spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable, and if he said it, then he'll do it. This is the third Sunday in Advent, and traditionally it's the Sunday where we light the Advent candle of joy, and we talk about what it is to be joyful. And Paul here is telling us to rejoice always. To experience and live in joy for now and forever. Always. I don't know about you, but Advent is an emotional time. It could be lots of reasons for that. The season of Advent, the Christmas season, is a time of deep emotion for most people. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but always deep emotion. Joy for humans is expressed in a variety of ways, one of which is emotions. But see, joy is much more than emotion, isn't it? Joy is also an attitude. It's also a choice. Joy is a way of living that, if practiced well, becomes a way of life. Now, as I was explaining to the Bible study group on Wednesday, this past week has been a difficult week. Maybe it has for you, too. But in the world, in our communities, in our households, this season of Advent has been difficult perhaps more so than any other season before this year 2020. I know for a fact that in the world there's this atmosphere of unrest, uh, anxiety, fear, turmoil. It's, It's thick. It permeates the atmosphere. You can feel the weight of it. And even right here in our community, there are people suffering through this oppressive pandemic and all the illness and anxiety and fear that goes along with it. And, and maybe even in our own households. There are some who are dealing with financial issues. I know there's some who are dealing with unemployment and relationship issues, emotional and spiritual issues. And so this Advent season, maybe more than any other Advent season, has been one of unrest rather than peace. And for me personally, as I expressed to the Bible study group, try as I might, the the festive atmosphere of Christmas has eluded me so far this year. We've had all the usual trappings. it's, It's not about, it's not about the expressions of Christmas. It's not about lack of a tree or lack of decorations. It's not about lack of Christmas cookies. There are plenty of those in the Lightfoot kitchen, trust me, way too many of those. It's not about the secular trappings of Christmas. It's, it's that the burdens that I am receiving from people that depend on me to receive them, I tend to take to heart. When when you hurt, I hurt. And and don't take this as, oh, we gotta gotta let up on Pastor Stephen for a while because he's about to cave. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this season, the pains that I am hearing of have been greater than before. And so this week, as as the Christmas presents that we'd ordered for our kids and grandkids began to arrive, I I, I didn't feel the same sense of anticipation that I usually feel. I I didn't feel that same sense of anticipation. I, I even lamented to Angela. I said, there didn't seem to be any newness in the season this year. The joys of the season might have to be resigned to old memories of Christmases past. I was beginning to wonder if these—I uh, call them doldrums. I, I, I don't know where that term comes from, to be honest with you. Uh, someone had told me that it was a nautical term when the when the the weather was not suitable for sailing because there was no wind, there was no inspiration, there was no breath to push a sailing ship. It's, It's kind of that imagery where there just doesn't seem to be any kind of life being breathed into the season. Well, I have to tell you, this past Monday, I had a few moments while I was at dinner, well, While Angela had dinner in the oven. And I picked up the winter 2020 issue of Biblical Archaeology Review. It's just some light reading. I took it out of the sack of mail on the counter. It had arrived a few days ago, and it was was a gift from a wonderful parishioner. Um, And she just happens to know I'm into archaeology in that sense. Anyway, I hadn't had a chance to even open it. And so I I picked up the article, and it took several days for for this to sink in. But I scanned through the table of contents, and I, I noticed that there was an article titled New Fruit from Old Seeds. I thought, that sounds interesting. It's an intriguing title. I wonder what that's about. Well, it turns out that a few years ago, a group of archeologists while excavating in uh, the Judean wilderness found hundreds of seeds from date palm trees that grew in the region 2,000 years ago. They'd been stored and and, uh, hidden away, I guess, in these archeological ruins for 2,000 years. And the seeds were from the Judean date palm. It's been extinct for centuries. Um, But from historical accounts, it's known that the fruit of the Judean date palm was large and sweet as compared to the dates of the modern day. And also, they used to use these because they had certain medicinal properties. So this is a very special fruit from Antiquity. And so my thought was, I wonder if they tried to grow these seeds. Well, sure enough, these archaeologists, because they're curious people, with the help of agricultural experts, they wondered if the ancient seeds could be made to grow and once again produce fruit. And so, long story short, it was quite an article with all kinds of reasons why it shouldn't, but it did anyway. They took 32 of those seeds and they planted them. And in 2008, they managed to germinate a seed and then another and another until they had six out of the 32 planted seeds that actually germinated and began to grow a Judean palm tree. Now, think about this. It it usually takes eight to 10 years for a tree to come to maturity to be able to grow fruit. And so as these trees grew for eight, 10 years, the people that were taking care of them were... The fact that they were growing at all, these 2,000 year old seeds, was remarkable. But the anticipation of the possibility that a 2,000 year old seed might grow into a tree and actually produce fruit, well, that was something that they could, they were on pins and needles as the calendar moved along. Well, just this past fall, One of the trees grown from this 2,000-year-old seed bore fruit. And guess what? The fruit was large and sweet, just as the historical record had showed that it used to be. Because there wasn't anybody alive that ever experienced this fruit. The trees were extinct. The people that had been able to eat from those trees were long dead and buried. And here, all of a sudden, 2,000 years later, from a 2,000-year-old seed, the Judean date palm once again produced fruit on the earth. Why does that have to do, anything to do with Advent? Well, I, I think there's an Advent message in that story for us, and the message is very simple. 2000 years ago, the seed of the church was planted. It, it's been bearing fruit all of this time, and every day seeds are planted and fruit is born. And if that's not a reason to rejoice, in this day and age, I don't know what is. Because all the odds in the secular world, in the world out there are stacked against any seeds being planted ever bearing fruit except for the miracle of Jesus Christ. The seeds that God has created, if we will take time to plant them will bear fruit in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. And so we need to rejoice. Doesn't matter what the the circumstances in the world are, we need to rejoice. Doesn't matter what our own personal circumstances are, we need to rejoice. We're commanded to rejoice. The Advent season is full of emotion and If you are in some way suffering this Advent season from illness maybe, or from financial strain, or from the loss of someone dear to you, or for whatever reason, joy may not be the first thing you think of as the Christmas season advances. But I want to remind you today that we are called to count it all joy, as it says in James. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And so no matter what emotional ride we find ourselves on this particular season, let the underlying current be that of joy in all circumstances. Because the hope and the love that Jesus brings to us is reason enough to rejoice. And all of that together bears fruit and gives us peace, that peace that the Bible talks about, that passes all understanding, that peace that is only possible through abiding in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Rejoice always. Pray continuously. And be thankful no matter what. Amen.